Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. We appreciate you for the grace you have given to us, even to come before you. We bless your holy name. Thank you for counting us worthy to come into your presence. Thank you because while we are yet sinners, you lay down your life and you die for us. Thank you for that privileged position you have placed us. Thank you, O God, for all you have done concerning us to reconcile us unto the Father. Even though we are unworthy, but Father, you lay down your life to reconcile us that we may enjoy fellowship with the Father. We appreciate you, our God. We bless you, our Father. As we come before you tonight, we surrender ourselves unto you. We ask that you open us unto yourself. We ask that your spirit will fill us up. We ask, O God, that we be, O God, a total devotion unto you. And we have unhindered access unto your presence. Thank you, dear Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Thank you for joining us this evening. And this evening, we'll continue in our theme for the month, which is Jesus, the risen Savior. Jesus, the risen Savior, taken from the book of Matthew 28, verse 6, and the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, from verse 2 to 4. Jesus, the risen Savior. But today we'll be focusing on a topic why must he die? Why? Why must he die? Is it just because he wants to die? Is it for fun? And in any case, if he die, why should he rest? Why should he resurrect it? Why should he rise from the dead? So this is what we'll be looking at tonight. And we'll be looking at a scripture, two main scriptures. First is Genesis chapter 3, from verse 15 to 22. And then the second one we'll read when we get to the second part of the teaching. Genesis chapter 3, from verse 15 to 22. I'm reading from the NIV. See, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. 17. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife 
and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. About which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce tongues and tissues for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since you since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. Let's stop there. I will be looking at, uh, we divided the teachings into about three different parts. First, we look at in the beginning. What happened in the beginning? What happened in the beginning? Then we look at why the crucifixion? Why the crucifixion? And then, why should he rise? And then we'll be rounding up, looking at the reason why Jesus had to rise from the dead. Introduction. The Lord made man in his image. In his image, he made man. That we can find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. And you know, it's so clear in that place. The Bible said, the Lord said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created man in his image. And you can imagine the kind of satisfaction it gives God to have someone in his own image. You know, for those of us that are parents, it gives you a lot of satisfaction when you see your children around you. The same way the parents want to play with their children is the same way God delights in having fellowship with man. And God placed man at a level that no wonder he was said that he, he made him a little lower than the angel. He said, what is man? What is man that you so honor him? What is man? What is in man that you place him so highly? What is in man? You know, some of us, we look at ourselves as if, oh, I'm so small, I'm just this, I'm just that. But the image of God, God created you in his image. Now, if you can understand how mighty God is, how big God is, how, you know, the almighty God is, to now replicate you and make you in his image, that is what God makes man to be. And not only that, he gave him authority and dominion over every creature, over all creatures of him. He gave him authority over them. And not only that, the spirit of God dwells inside of man. So man was a special creature of God. And why is it that God has to make man so special? Because God desires a fellowship with man. 
He desires to have fellowship with man. So that's why God desires is to have continuous fellowship with man. No wonder he will come in the cool of the day to fellowship with man. You find that in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. In fact, when man went against God, God was just coming in the cool of the day to enjoy the fellowship he normally have with man. But man had gone away from that position of fellowship. And why? Because sin separates man from the presence of God. As it was then, in the beginning. So it is now. If there is anything that can take the presence of God away from man, it is sin and iniquity. So, with sin committed by man, man lost his place in the eye of the Lord. Because the eye of the Lord cannot behold iniquity. In Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13, he said, the eye of the Lord cannot behold evil. The eye of the Lord cannot behold evil. So if evil and iniquity is found in man, the man is no longer fit to stay in the presence of God. Say you have purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked divorce a person more righteous than he? God cannot it's unlike God to look at iniquity and to turn away because he's a holy God. And that's what we find in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2. Leviticus 19 verse 2. They speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. A holy God is a God that does not sin. And when sin comes into the equation of man, then man got a separation from God. So in the beginning, in the beginning, the immortal man was cut short by sin. The immortal man was cut short by sin. We find that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. God placed man in the Garden of Eden with the tree of life. But when man sinned, he was banished away from that garden and prevented from eating of that fruit. Because the original plan of God was that man would live forever. And if you look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 22. Genesis chapter 3 verse 22. You see, and the Lord God said, Behold, man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and also take the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the plan of God was man will be in that garden and man will have a life that is an everlasting life. That was the original plan. That was the design. And so God who designed it that way, he wants man to live forever. But because of that sin, because of that iniquity, the immortality of man was changed to mortality. Man was designed to live forever. So when sin came, that design 
was changed by God. And we find that in Genesis 3 verse 19. That immortality was changed to mortality. The Lord spoke to Adam and said, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from meat you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. And that is where man now has to live and die. That's where death comes into the equation. The original plan was for man to live forever. But God in his mercies announced a plan of redemption. A plan of redemption. In theology you call it proto-evangelium. That is the first stage of the good news. You find that in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Say, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first place where God announced a plan to redeem man from his falling position to bring him back. You know, but something is very interesting here. If you look at that scripture, in verse 15, God provided a way of escape for man even before condemning man to mortality in verse 22. So before man even, before God passed judgment on man, he had already forgiven man. If you read that, you see in verse 15, he put enmity between man and uh, between the seed of the woman and the, and, and, the, and, the, and the devil. But he did not curse man until verse 18 or thereabout, verse 17. So there is already a plan by God that yes, there is sin, yes, there is iniquity, the mercies of God triumph over judgment. The mercies of God triumph over judgment. And so this lead me to lead us to why the crucifixion? Why the crucifixion? You know, in line with the plan of God, we deserve to die. In line with his judgment, we deserve to die. Why? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So, and anyone that sin is supposed to die. That's Romans 3, 23. But look at where we are coming from. God created man. Made him very, very special. Made him in a way that he will be able to have fellowship with him. As a matter of fact, made him like next to him. And that's why he's able to have fellowship with man. In fact, he put his spirit inside of man. And then man failed. And because of this failure, there has to be a plan. A plan for redemption. So everyone born of woman 
we have inherited that Adamic nature. We have inherited it. You don't need to teach a child how to do evil. As a matter of fact, you struggle to train a child to do what is good. You don't need to tell a child to do what is evil. Naturally, the inclination of man is to do evil. The natural man, the inclination is to do evil, is to do what is wrong. Is to do what will be against God. But the plan of God is that man should be restored to be able to do what is good. And in line with the judgment of the Lord, man deserves to die. Man deserves to be alienated from the presence of God. So what happened was a man was sent away and alienated from his presence. We'll find that in Genesis 3, 23-24. We've read that. So God sent him out of the garden. God took him away from the garden. Lest he eat the fruits of life and he lives forever. And even in the Old Testament, you find out that even when the, the temple was constructed, it's not just any man that can go into the temple where you call the Holy of Holies. The high priest that will go there, go there once in a year at the festival of atonement. And sacrifices have to be made before he can go in there. And when he's going there, he's going there with caution, with trepidation, with fear. Because he's going into the presence of the Lord. Because he's going into the presence of the Lord. So, it's not somewhere where some, uh, one can easily go into. In Exodus 26, verse 33. Exodus 26, verse 33. Talks about the screening from the view of the ark. Which separate the holies. See, and you shall hang the veil from the clasps. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there. Behind the veil, the veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. Now, we're giving this background so that we can understand what the Lord Jesus did for us. Because we couldn't have come into his presence now you pray in your, in your room and you can sense that the Holy Spirit is there with you. You can even go in your car and you are praying and you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, you can enter into the holies of holies, he now indwells you. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. Now the crucifixion changed all of that. It changed all of that. How we are able to approach God, all that we can do, it changed all of that. And we can look at that in Matthew 27, verse 50 to 51. Matthew 27, verse 50 to 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, 
and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The curtain that separates the holy from the holy of holies turned into two. And there are significance of that which we will not be discussing here tonight. But suffice it for us to know that with that singular act, mortal man can now enter into the presence of the Lord without the daily killing of goats and sheep and cow and all of that. Because now, Christ provides access to us. So the crucifixion is very, very important. Because God wants to restore man to that position that was created for him. He wants to take us back to that original plan and intention of God for us. Because that's where man is supposed to be. Now, because of sin and iniquity, we forfeited that in the Garden of Eden. But thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the one without sin had to bear our sin and iniquity so that we can come boldly into the presence of the Lord. We can appear before the throne of grace. We can appear before the throne of grace. We were created to remain and abide with him. Because without him, we can do nothing. John 15, 5. That's how Jesus was telling the disciples, say, Abide in me, and I in you. Say, for without me, you can do nothing. There is nothing that we can do on our own. Every of our intellect every of our wisdom, every of our power, every of the things that we know, they amount to nothing before the Lord. Without God, we can do nothing. We can do nothing without Him. See, I'm divine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Say, apart from me, you can do nothing. There's nothing that we can do of our own. You may have all the wisdom in this world. You may have all the knowledge. You may have all the resources. The life that you live is because God allowed you to live. In fact, the last 16 months or thereabout has taught us a lot that our resources can fail us. Money can fail us. Even the old president of nations, they were on lockdown. Small coronavirus, where the enemies, the physical enemies of nations could dare not tread. Coronavirus entered the place. Coronavirus entered 10 Downing Street. He even entered White House. Is there anywhere where man thinks he's safe, he can do things of his own? And that's why the futility of our strength, the futility of resources that is not 
in the Lord Jesus Christ is also full time. Whatever may think we think we may have today, if God is not there, forget it. It takes just just a little, and everything could be gone. We've heard of stories in this past one year where virtually every member of the family were affected in one way or the other. Is it that we, who are not so affected one way or the other, is it that we were stronger than them? Is it that we were smarter than them? In fact, we've heard stories of people that were so smart and so finicky about the whole thing that you, you cannot even enter their house. Yet, they still contacted Corona. I'm not saying this to say those people were bad or not. I'm saying it to let us know the futility of human plans. Human plans have to be rooted in God. If it's not rooted in God, there is nothing that we can do of our own. Praise the Lord. Now, forgiveness of our sins and the granting of access to the Father. One of the reasons why Jesus had to die on the cross. So that that sin that has been permanently engraved on humanity, that sin, sin that the sacrifice of bulls and rams is not sufficient to cleanse it. Because to cleanse it today, there is need for another one. And that was why Jesus came. So that he can be offered as a once and for all sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. To take away our sins. He was offered as a sacrifice for our sin. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 2 he said, he is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. It's the propitiation for our sin. And the word propitiation, propitiation, I try to find it out. See, it's the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of someone or something. So Jesus was offered so that we can gain the goodwill of the Father. So that we can gain the goodwill of the Father. So that our sins can be forgiven. So that we will no longer be accountable for our sin. I think there was a place in the Bible where the Lord says he was offered as a forbearance. I think we'll get there shortly. Was is the propitiation for our sin. It was offered as a sacrifice so that our sins, our Adamic sins, the nature that we are, we could receive the forgiveness from the Lord. This is why the crucifixion has to take place. This is why he has to go to the cross. Painful as it was, he endured that cross. He endured the shame. So that you and I can gain favor before God. And when he was doing that, he took our sin on him. He took our sin on him. In John chapter 1 verse 29. 
So the next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was John the Baptist. By revelation, seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the one without sin. He was the one in whose iniquity was not finding him. And he chose to die for you and I. That's why he has to go through the crucifixion. And Isaiah prophesied this a long time ago. In Isaiah 53 verse 3. said, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds were healed. Can you imagine somebody was being afflicted? Somebody was being subjected to pain. And because of that pain, you can enter your own comfort. How, how does that feel to you? How do you, how do you feel? Do you see somebody who was really, really going through agonizing pain? And if he did not go through that pain, you will not enter into freedom. What, what, what type of... How will, you, how will you hold that person? How will you view that person? Please, I, I, I would like a response, please. Whether online or non-site. Here is someone who has not committed any crime. And they have said, you have to bear certain punishment. And the person just come out. Say, I will take the punishment for you. And as he was taking that punishment, you are entering into comfort. You are entering into freedom. And if he did not take that punishment, you are condemned. How, how, how does that sound to you? What do you think of that? Online or on-site? You know you were guilty of a thing. And it's not only just guilty. But you cannot attain to certain things. And some, here is someone who just a volunteer and say, I will take your punishment. And you know, the more of that punishment he was taking, the more you enter into freedom. Can we have a response online? How does that sound to you? I feel like I owe the person gratitude for the rest of my life. Can you go over that again, please? I said, I feel I owe that person gratitude for the rest of my life. Gratitude for the rest of your life. Thank you, Sister Olade. Any other person, what will you feel? How will you hold that person? How will you view that person? Maybe, maybe if I extend it up to now, I will still find it difficult to believe that Somebody can do that for me. He sees me on the spot. I'm enjoying continually, increasingly. I'm getting free. He's getting punishment, suffering. Ah, it's, it's beyond comprehension. That's the way I will look at it. I, I don't know. Beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension. 
That's the message of the Lord. That was exactly what the Lord did for you and I on that cross. That was exactly what he did for you. That was what he did for me. He took our sin. He was pierced. They insulted him. They beat him. They did all manners of things. They degraded him. They dehumanized him. They put him to shame. And he didn't say a word because he has a focus to deliver you and to deliver me. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I said that he died for our sin. Verse 3 to 4. Say, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I, was, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scripture. Christ died for our sin. He died for our sin. Where we should have been condemned. Where we should have been serving the punishment. He took it all. And the reason is very simple. Because he wants to reconcile you to the Father and to take us back to the original position where we belong. And in doing that, we are offered justification. Justification. And Pastor Bernice uh, spoke about this last week. We're offered justification. Justification. Justification is something you can call forbearance. Forbearance is a refraining from the enforcement of something. It's a legal term. Say you are forbear, forbearance. You are prevented legally from asking for certain things because certain decisions or pronouncement has been made concerning that thing. It's forbearance. In Romans 3, verse 24 to 25. Romans 3, 24 to 25. They are not justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over us, over our former sins. So what that is saying is that the sins that we have committed there is someone who has been offered in exchange. Therefore, what we should have suffered as a result of that sin, there is a judgment. And that judgment says, no, you cannot touch Sukumi. You can't touch him. Because I have paid the price for his sin. Therefore, the result of those sins or the consequences of those sins they no longer apply to me because by the divine judgment of the law there is a forbearance 
that ensures that I no longer suffer the consequences of that sin. But I need to do it in faith. Holding on to what the Lord Jesus has done. And as many as we do that, is still true today and is still true till tomorrow. That's why there has to be a crucifixion. That's why the Lord Jesus had to die for you and I. So that we will not suffer that result of what sin and iniquity is supposed to have brought upon us. And in doing this, he offers us on a platter of gold. What is called redemption. He offers us redemption. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. So the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. It is through Christ's crucifixion that sin through mankind was redeemed. Through the power of crucifixion. Sinful mankind, full of sin and iniquity, that could not stand before the Lord, that could not even enter the holies of holies. Ordinary a tabernacle, we could not enter it. Because of sin, because of our nature. Can you now imagine what changed? Because when Jesus lied on the cross, that consequences was taken away. We not only enter into the holies of holies, the spirit of the Lord dwells in us. That's what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. That's what he did for us. Because he paid the price. He paid the price for you and I. That we can be children of God. That we can be what God has created us to be. And in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of offenses according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our offenses. We have redemption through his blood. Because his blood that was shed on that cross pay a once and for all sacrifice for us. And so when that sacrifice was paid, the price has been fully paid. Fully paid. There is no need for another sacrifice again. Because the price has been fully paid for you and I. Because God in his infinite mercy has paid the price for us. Remember where we are coming from. How God created man in his image. How God made man a little lower than angels. How God made man like second in command to him. How man was such a special creature. That in creating man, God had to call the, 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 the Trinity and say, let us make man in our own image. And in making him, he gave him the breath of life. And in making him, he put him in a garden with the tree of life that man can live there forever. And God will come and have fellowship with man. That is the image God had for man. 
But when disobedience, sin, and iniquity came, we forfeited all of that. But God, in passing that judgment, his mercy triumphed over his judgment. And that was why he made that announcement. In sending the Lord Jesus to do it for us. To die for us. So that we can live for him. Praise the Lord. So why should he rise? So if he had gone to the cross and he paid the price, shouldn't he just uh, let it be there? After all, he has paid the price. You know, if he, if he only succeeded in paying the price and he did not restore us to where we were supposed to be, then the equation will not balance. Because we will not be in the original position that God wants us to be. So why should he rise? Today we call ourselves Christian. The foundation of our faith is in the fact that we are Christians. So let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 12 to 23. If you find it online, you can please read it for us. 1 Corinthians 15 12 to 23. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep are in Christ are lost. Mm. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, mm -hmm. the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the kingdom to God the Father, 
after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That scripture is very, very deep. It contains the fundamentals of our faith. It contains the reason why we believe what we believe. Because if you take that scripture away from Christianity, then Christianity cannot stand. To assure that the dead will rise on the final day, one of the reasons why Jesus will have to rise was that he has told us that he has gone, is going home to prepare a place for us. That where he will be, there we can be. So how can we be sure that where the Lord is will be there? After all, many people have died. And some of us, we don't know where they are. And that's the truth. But when you have faith in the Lord, you know that the same power that brought Jesus from the dead, he will also quicken our body and bring back to life all those that, were, that, that died in Christ. And that's what you find in verse 12 to 13. He said, but if it is free that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then, of the dead, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ had been raised. But we know that Christ was raised from the dead. So because Christ was raised from the dead, he gives you and I an assurance that our end is not here. No matter how enjoyable this world may be, for those who enjoy it, no matter how lovely this world may be, and no matter how terrible this world may be, you know, the good news is that everything will not end here. Because whether you enjoy it here or whether you did not or you suffer it here, there is a place in eternity where we will all go to. Transform to the original image and plan of God that we can live forever. If Adam and Eve had been left in that garden, Probably they will have eaten the, the tree of the fruit of life and they will live in this world forever. But Jesus came so that he can conquer death, rise from the grave so that he can show us an example that it will not end like this here. So I have good news for you. Because where we will end it all is a place that is much more beautiful than where we are now. It's a place where there is no pain. It's a place where there is no sorrow. It's a place where all the worries of this world is not there. It's a place where your brother will not give you trouble. Your sister will not give you trouble. 
Your husband will not stress you. And your wife will not stress you. Your son will not give you headache. Your neighbor will not give you disturbance. There is no government that will impose some legislation upon you that does not work. It's a place in the presence of the Almighty God. And that's what the Lord Jesus achieved for us. And in verse 14, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, then our faith is worthless. Then there is no basis for us to be called Christians. See, and if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Because all that we preach about, the foundation is on the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because every of the prophets, they may call them, they die. And some of them will know their grave. We know where they die. Some of them are still rising up to today and calling themselves certain names. But it's a matter of time. They will die. I haven't seen anyone that did what Jesus did. Who died, who rose, and who was seen, not by one, not by two. In fact, in the scripture they say, over 500 people saw him, apart from disciples. Over 500 so, it is an evidence that is out there. So, he rose again. And that's the basis of the faith that we profess. The faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus had not risen, then you and I will be false witnesses. And you know, when somebody gives a false witness under oath, what happened to that person? If somebody bears false witness, the lawyers in the house, Brian or me, somebody give false witness in court, what would they do to that person? I'm not a lawyer also, but he will be tried for perjury. What's the what's the uh, what's the reward for perjury? You'll be sentenced. Okay. So, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, then we are, you and I will have been false witnesses. And then we are proclaiming a doctrine that is wrong. And then we deserve to be sentenced. The glory be to God. Because he rose from the dead. Because he rose from the dead. Then we will have lived a hopeless life. A life that has no hope. A life without hope is a terrible life. Because we know that it does not all end in this place. It does not end in this place. So we have hope. We have hope. His resurrection guarantees our own resurrection. That's verse 20 to 23. His resurrection guarantees that we also will resurrect one day. And then the rising of Jesus is a fulfillment of the promise of the Father. It's a fulfillment of promise. First in John 
chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. So in the beginning was the world, and the world was with God, and the world was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Darkness has not overcome him. The promise of the Father is to bring him in human flesh. In a, in a human flesh, in a human form. So that he can dwell with us. And he can take us to the place where he can offer salvation for us. To the dying world, salvation can come. So it's a fulfillment of the promise of the Father. The fulfillment of the promise of the Father. Promise to send his only begotten son who will come. That promise that he made in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 is a fulfillment that the Lord has done for us. It's also a promise of redemption. Apart from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, if we check Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In him, in him, we have the redemption. Through his blood, the shedding of that blood guarantees that we have redemption. So that our trespasses can be forgiven. And in John 1.29, I think we've read that one, where John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God. So it's a promise the Lord made for us, and the Lord fulfilled that promise. Another promise is the promise to save humanity. The promise to save humanity. That promise is a great promise to save humanity. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, to 6. Can someone just please read for us? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 6. 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2. Three to six, he said. First Timothy chapter two, verse three. This is good and pleases God as Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is no one, but for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Thank Mr. you, Lord. 
Thank you, ma. That's a promise to save humanity. He says it is good and pleasing because the Lord sent the Son and God wants all men to be saved. He wants all men to be saved. That's a promise the Lord made for us. That all men will be saved. All men. All men. Whether black, white, wherever you may be, whether you are in Africa, you are in Asia, all men. Christ came for you, he came for me. For all men all over the world. That's why he came. And he's the one mediator between God and men. The man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. I know, I know that in, in Nigeria today, there's some dictionary words that we do not know before, in which we are now used to. In June 1993, I learned the word annulment. I didn't know there was some, anything called annulment until that time. But of recent, we now learn the word ransom. Ransom. I'm sure even some people who do not understand English now, they know what ransom is. Because now, all over the country, they are kidnapping people. And when they kidnap them, what do they ask them to go and bring? They ask them to go and bring ransom. And for some people who could not pay ransom, what do they do to them? They waste their life. They said they will waste, they will waste people's life. They, will, they just kill them. But do you know that the ransom was paid for you and I? <laughs> ransom was paid for you and I? Because Jesus was offered as a ransom for you, for me, for the sin that we committed. And he did not reject being used as a ransom. Today's world, when people refuse to pay ransom, they just kill people. They will place value on some people's life. Some, they will say they should go and bring 50 million. Somebody that does not have 5 million, they will say you should bring 50 million. Then everybody, friends, relations, church member, every people, they will be raising money so that they can pay the ransom. Let me ask you, how much is your life worth? How much is your life worth? How much? How much? Can you imagine, can you just imagine for a moment the value that the Lord plays on Jesus' life? That just one sacrifice, just one ransom is enough to wipe away the sins of the whole world. Right now, we are over 7 billion people. The blood of one man is adequate sacrifice before the Lord to be used as ransom to pay off our debt. To pay off our debt. It's ransom. Jesus was used as a ransom to pay our debt. 
And with that payment, humanity was saved. And not only that, probably the most known scripture in the Bible is John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So he came into the world to save the world. He did deliver on the promise. Sure he did. He did. That's why you and I can now have a common heritage in Christ Jesus. That's why you can lean down beside your bed and pray and the spirit of the Lord comes and God himself will come on to the place where little you, you are praying, little me, small me. Because somebody pay the price for you and I. And that's the Lord Jesus. So that we can be saved. So that we can be restored. So that we can be delivered. So that sin and its effects would no longer be upon us. Praise the Lord. And lastly, before I go to the conclusion, it's a promise of restoration of fellowship that man lost in the Garden of Eden. The promise of restoration of that fellowship you know God going there in the cool of the day, God walking in the garden, and God being there with Adam and Eve. But you know, God did the same thing in giving us the Holy Spirit. And we read John 14, John 14, verse 16 to 17. John 14, verse 16 to 17. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's the Holy Spirit. So that it's not only just coming in the cool of the day. It's there with you. The fellowship with the Father. That's why Jesus has to rise. That's why he has to rise. He said, because if I do not go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come to you. And he left. And on the day of Pentecost, while they were still in the upper room, the Bible said, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And if you have the Holy Spirit today, it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. It's because Jesus laid down his life for you. It's because Jesus has gone back to the Father and the Father has sent the Holy Spirit that you now can have fellowship with the Father. On him that fellowship, you do no longer need the blood of bulls and rams to be able to speak to God, 
you do not need to be tied with some uh, ropes because you are going to the holies of holies so that they can draw you out. Probably the Lord has slain you for one thing or the other. But daily in your life, now the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And where you are right now, you can just speak to him and you can feel his presence all around you. It doesn't matter where you are. When you yield yourself to him, the Father comes unto you. And in conclusion, what a privilege we have that we serve a righteous and merciful God who despite our inadequacies, despite our weaknesses, despite our phrases, he forgave our sins. Even before we committed them, he has made room for forgiveness. He sent his only begotten son and used him as a sacrifice for our sin. He gave us a way to connect to him by confessing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He causes his Holy Spirit to dwell within us and he prepare a place for us to be with him eternally. So let us therefore do all we can to ensure that we do not miss out on his promises for us. Praise the Lord. Do we have questions? Questions, please. Do we have questions online? There are no questions. Thank you very much. I will just take the announcement. After that, Reverend Aliyo will uh, do the closing prayer. Uh, we have the International Conference of Ministers and Leaders uh, starting from tomorrow. Our holding is for the old Foursquare movement in Nigeria. And the, uh, the, the, the focus is on stewardship. Tomorrow's program will be holding online in the evening. But on Friday, We'll be having two sessions in the morning and in the evening. Our usual uh, prayer meeting on Friday uh, will have the ICML in place of the uh, prayer that we have on Friday. So you can connect. You can be here on site or you can connect from your home to be available on Foursquare TV to available on the website, on Facebook, on YouTube, and also on WAP TV. And also we'll also make plans to also stream it from here and retransmit it as the event is ongoing. So please be part of it. The GO will be ministering. Also on Sunday, our worship service we also take that format uh, from 9 a.m. We join with the national so that we listen to and be part of the ICML that will be taking place. So please, if you are unable to make it to church on Sunday, 
Please just connect to any of our platform. Uh, but as usual, please come to get, come to church so that together we can be in an atmosphere of worship, of praise, and of giving glory unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you are in need of prayer, please you can reach the church. Uh, prayer lines 0802-353-5099. If we have a prayer request, you can reach out to us or you can send an email to prayer request. You can send an email to prayer at prayer request at foursquarevgc.org. And you can be sure that someone will be praying along with you. And let's also continue to be vigilant on the COVID protocols. And much more importantly, let's not uh, slack in praying. And as we pray against COVID, let's also remember to pray for our beloved country, Nigeria, because the Lord will do great and mighty things in our land. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this evening's Bible study. The risen Savior is just again shared from your word why he must die. Just because Man must be saved. We pray that, Lord, on the day of judgment, by reason of this Savior, none of us will be missing from the kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, O oh God, that the enemy's account that occasionally rings in the ears of some people will never overtake us. But that, Father, as your children standing on the rock, we will propagate the message that indeed Jesus saves. Thank you very much for your word yet again. We pray that day in, day out, the Holy Spirit will continue to expand it to our hearts. Thank you, Father. Dismiss us with your blessings. And as we go, let us go with your hand strong upon us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.